0: Welcome to today's podcast for November 14th, fifteen, actually. Let us open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Today, for November 15, is Vital Substance. This paragraph is taken from 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 97. Those of us who have had come to make regular use of prayer would no more do without it. Then we would refuse air, food, or sunshine. And for the same reason, when we refuse air, light, or food, the body suffers. And when we turn away from meditation and prayer, we likewise deprive our minds, our emotions, and our intuitions of vital, needed support. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 97. Step 11 doesn't have to overwhelm me. Conscious contact with God can be as simple and as profound as conscious contact with another human being. I can smile, I can listen, I can forgive. Every encounter with another is an opportunity for prayer, for acknowledging God's presence with me. Today, I can bring myself a little closer to my higher power. The more I choose to seek the beauty of God's work in other people, the more certain of His presence I will become. The more I choose to seek the beauty of God's work in other people, the more certain of His presence I will become. You know, uh, automatically through us, Moses, I, Fernando, alcoholic, got close to God just sitting in a meeting. And just the uh, ironclad structure of the meeting just forced me to look at God and to consider God and to pay attention to God. That's what alcoholic and did for me. I became conscious of His presence more and more and more. I wanted to read, go back to read uh, November 11th for its it's profound uh, self-acceptance. We know that God lovingly watches over us. We know that when we turn to Him, all will be well with us here and hereafter 12 steps and 12 traditions page 105 I pray for the willingness to remember that I am a child of God a divine soul in human form and that my most basic and urgent life is to accept know love and nurture myself as I accept myself I am accepting God's will As I know and love myself, I am knowing and loving God. As I nurture myself, I am acting on God's guidance. I pray for the willingness to let go of my arrogant self-criticism and to praise God by humbly accepting and caring for myself. Pretty good, huh? Let's try another one. The reason I'm hitting so much on November is because all of them are In the area of gratitude, profound gratitude for this Thanksgiving month. Watch, check this one out. It says November 1st, Daily Reflections. I cannot change the wind. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We're headed for trial if we do, for alcohol is a subtle pull. That's found in Alcoholic Anonymous, page 85. My sponsor told me there were two things to say about prayer and meditation. First, I had to start, and second, I had to continue. When I came to AA, my spiritual life was bankrupt. If I considered God at all, He was to be called upon only when my self-will was incapable of a task or when overwhelming fears had eroded my ego. Today, I am grateful for a new life. One in which my prayers are those of thanksgiving. My prayer time is more to listening than for talking. I know today that I cannot change the wind. I can adjust my sail. I know the difference between superstition and spirituality. I know there is a grateful way of being right and many ways of being wrong. Beautiful, beautiful stuff, huh? November 2nd says keeping optimism afloat it says the from the language of the heart page 240 the other steps can keep most of us sober and somehow functioning but step 11 can keep us growing a sober alcoholic finds it much easier to be optimistic about life optimism is the natural result of my finding myself gradually Able to make the best rather than the worst of each situation. As my physical sobriety continues, I come out of the fog, gain a clear perspective, and I am better able to determine what courses of action to take. As a vital as phys- physical sobriety is, I can achieve a greater potential for myself by developing an ever-increasing willingness to avail myself of the guidance and direction of a higher power. My ability to do so comes from learning and practicing the principles of the AA program. The melding of my physical and spiritual sobriety produces the substance of a more positive life. Amen. Keeping optimism afloat. Step 11 is a life-saving step for me. I didn't have to go to another country to find God's will for me. The power to to do His will, the knowledge to do His will, that's a very powerful, powerful step. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God as I understood Him. Praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. When I first read that, it just fired me up. I just saw so much in it; it was just amazing. As far as uh, I didn't have to go to another country as a missionary to do God's will, you know, I didn't have to give up, you know, to, to keep give up all my substance in my household. All right, let's go ahead and do the, the second step. Excuse me, the, uh, let's keep going. Let's go see what November the 3rd says. I really enjoyed this month's readings. It says, Focusing and listening. There is a direct linkage among self-examination, meditation, and prayer. Taking separately, these practices can bring much relief and benefit. From page 98, 12 and 12. You know, someone said that if, if you park yourself uh, with your feet on the grass and think about life and where you've been and write it down and wait for God to give you an answers, that would be self examination, that would be meditation and prayer. And that would be looking at results and see how much results we're getting, and where are we spending our, our our time? Where would it be more beneficial, and what areas we need to improve? If I do my self-examination first, then surely I have enough humility to pray and meditate, because I'll see and feel my need for them. Some wish to begin and end with prayer, leaving the self-examination and meditation to take place in between. Some wish to begin and end with prayer, leaving the self-examination and meditation to take place in between. Whereas others start with meditation, listening for advice from God about their still-hidden or unacknowledged defects. Still others engage in written and verbal work on their defects. Ending with a prayer of praise and thanksgiving. These three, self-examination, meditation, and prayer. Form a circle without a beginning or an end. No matter where or how I start, I eventually arrive at my destination. A better life. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. Now, for me, is is uh, making the meditation that every once in a while I'll take my the weather's fine, I'll take my shoes off and put my bare feet on the grass, around myself, take all electrical magnetic frequencies out of my body, and I start self-examination, you know. And then I meditate. Say, and then I finish it with a prayer of thanksgiving. A prayer of gratitude for what I have. For where I come to, the awareness that has come to me usually is is how fortunate and how lucky I am to be where I'm at is one of the gratitudes. For November the fourth is called a daily discipline. When day self-examination, meditation, and prayer are logically related, an inner woman the result is an unshakable foundation for life. Page 98, 12 and 12. Logically related and interwoven. You don't hear those words too often. Self-examination, meditation, and prayer. The last three steps of the program invoke God's loving discipline upon my willful nature. The last three steps of the program invoke God's loving discipline upon my willful nature. If I devote just a few moments every night to review of the highlights of my day, along with an acknowledgement of those aspects that didn't please me so much, I gain a personal history of myself, one that is essential to my journey into self-discovery. I was able to note my growth or lack of it and to ask and prayerful meditation to be relieved of those continuing shortcomings that cause me pain. Meditation and prayer also teach me to art, teach me the art of focusing and listening. I find that the turmoil of the day gets turned out as I pray for His will and guidance. The practice of asking Him to help me in my strivings for perfection puts a new slant on the tedium of a new d- any day because i know there is honor in any job done well the daily discipline of prayer and meditation will keep me in fit spiritual condition able to face whatever the day springs without the thought of a drink all right now Meditation and prayer teach me the art of focusing and listening. The practice of asking Him to help me in my striving for perfection puts a new slant on the training of any day, because I know there is honor in any job well done. The daily discipline of prayer and meditation will keep me in fit spiritual condition able to face whatever the day brings without the thought of a drink wow the last three steps what are the last three steps step 10 and then step 11 and 12 they're all service service oriented steps I admitted promptly when I was wrong and uh, always thinking about others number 12 to talk about looking out for Mr. Jones huh, for my brother okay let's move on to November the 5th it says the quality of faith this has to do with the quality of faith and no deep or meaningful sense had we ever taken stock of ourselves we have not even prayed rightly we had always said, grant me my wishes instead of thy will be done. 12 Steps of 12 Traditions, page 32. God does not grant me material possessions, take away my suffering or spare me from my disasters. But he does give me a good life, the ability to cope and peace of mind. My prayers are simple. First, they express my gratitude for the good things in my life, regardless of how hard I have to search for them. And second, I ask only for the strength and the wisdom to do His will. He answers the solutions to my problems, sustains my ability to live through daily frustration with a serenity I did not believe existed, and with the strength of practice, the principles of AA in all my everyday affairs amen well that's enough for today 15 minutes we have seriously done good strides here about prayer meditation uh, and uh, self examination God bless you take care November's Daily Reflection. Like I said, uh, my name is Fernando. I am an alcoholic and in recovery. I am also a member of the al program. I go to NA and uh, O-Readers Anonymous too. I love anything that in- involves growth, prayer, meditation, improvement. Uh, so that's why I'm here. Let's go ahead and pray and continue on. We're going to start with reading November the 6th. Even though today is the 15th of November, we're going to be moving towards today's little book of daily reflection. So much work, so much gathering of uh, stories came into play to make this book. I just want to thank God for the people that sent in there incredible awesome thoughts experience and words and how they run their lives and they how they understand god understand prayer and self-examination i love this kind of stuff it makes for a better you a better us a better me and it's entertainment here we go november the 6th oh let's pray God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Going with the flow. Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, page 96. It says, "Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand Him." sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him. The first words I speak when I arise in the morning are, I arise, O God, to do Thy will. This is the shortest prayer I know, and it's deeply ingrained in me. Prayer doesn't change God's attitude towards me. It changes my attitude towards God. As I... As distinguished from prayer, meditation is a quiet time without words. To be centered is to be physically relaxed, emotionally calm, mentally focused, and spiritually aware. One way to keep the channel open and to improve my conscious contact with God is to maintain a grateful attitude. On the days when I am grateful, good things seem to happen in my life. The instant I start cursing things in my life, however, the flow of good stops. God did not interrupt the flow. My own negativity did. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I like the flow right here. It says, as distinguished from prayer, meditation is a quiet time without words. To be centered is to be physically relaxed, emotionally calm, mentally focused and spiritually aware I will try and remember that prayer I arise O God to do thy will let's go ahead and move on to uh, November the 7th reading let go and let God praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out 12 says 12 page 96 praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. When I let go and let God, I think more clearly and wisely. Without having to think about it, I quickly let go of things that cause me immediate pain and discomfort because I find it hard to let go of the kind of worrisome thoughts and attitudes that cause me immense anguish. All I need is do during those times is allow God, as I understand him, to release them for me. And then in there, I let go of the thoughts, memories, and attitudes that are troubling me. All I need to do during those times is allow God, as I understand him, to release those thoughts for me. And then in there, I let go of the thoughts, memories, and attitudes that are troubling me. Again, let me say that again, because I find it hard to let go of the kind of worrisome thoughts and attitudes that cause me immense anguish. All I need to need do during those times is allow God, as I understand Him, to release them for me. And then in there, I let go of the thoughts, memories, and attitudes that are troubling me. When I receive help from God, as I understand Him, I can live my life one day at a time and handle whatever challenges come my way. Only then can I live a life of victory over alcohol in comfortable sobriety. When I receive help from God, as I understand Him, I can live my life one day at a time and handle whatever challenges come my way. Only then can I live a life of victory over alcohol and comfortable sobriety. Thank you very much for tracking with me. I am trying to receive as much as I, I receive. When I let go and let God, I, th- I think more clearly and wisely. Without having to think about it, I quickly let go of things that cause me immediate pain and discomfort. Because I find it hard to let go of the kind of worrisome thoughts and attitudes that cause me immense anguish. All I need to do during those times is allow God. So, my conclusion is, Fernando Alcoholic is on this reading, is that the the relationship through self-examination, meditation, and prayer, <clears throat> and gratitude is so high the communications that when thoughts try to cling to the thought process and uh, the Asking God He to release them for you is that uh, it's developed so much that the strength of God, the power of God, releases those thoughts and helps you not to be thinking about them. That, my friend, is an incredible relationship of a power greater than ourselves, a power that is there to help, a power that says, "I love you." I'll keep you, I'll save you, and protect you. So, you know, for me, that's the way I understand my God, that His love is so great that it was hard to understand and accept for my part. And I did. How happy I did. Okay, let's move on. November the 8th. An individual adventure. Meditation is something which can always be further developed It has no boundaries, either of width or height, aided by such instruction and example, as we can find it is essentially an individual adventure, something which each one of us works out in his own way. Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, page 101. My spiritual growth is with God as I understand Him. With Him I find my true inner self. Daily meditation and prayer strengthen and renew my source of well being. I receive then the openness to accept all that He has to offer. With God, I have the reassurance that my journey will be as He wants for me. And for that, I am grateful to have God in my life. My spiritual growth is with God as I understand Him. With Him, I find my true inner self. My meditation and prayers strengthen and renew my source of well-being. You know, one of the things that Bill W. said is that we will have a sense of belonging and a, a, a sense of wellness as members of the program. Okay, let's go ahead and move on. November the 9th, Stepping into the Sunlight. But first of all, we shall want sunlight. Nothing much can grow in the dark. Meditation is our step out into the sun. As Bill sees at page 10, Sometimes I think I don't have time for prayer and meditation, forgetting that I always found the time to drink. It is possible to make time for anything I want to do if I want it badly enough. When I start the routine of prayer meditation, it's a good idea to plan to devote a small amount of time to it. I read a page from our fellowship book in the morning and say, thank you, God. When I go to bed at night, as prayer becomes a habit, I will increase the time spent on it without even noticing the foray it makes into my busy day. If I have trouble praying, I just repeat the Lord's Prayer because it really covers everything. Then I think of what I can be grateful for and say a word of thanks. I don't need to shut myself in a closet to pray, it can be done even in a room full of people. I just remember, I just remove myself mentally for an instant. As the practice of prayer continues, I will find I don't need words. For God can and does hear my thoughts through silence. Amen. So the sunlight is meditation and prayer, practice of prayer. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, let's read November the 10th, Day Reflections. A Sense of Belonging. There it is. I just quoted that. Ha! That's when you know we're tracking on God's rhythm, God's guidance. Uh, we we, uh, we have developed our God consciousness and understand Him, how He operates. A sense of belonging. Perhaps one of the greatest rewards of meditation and prayer is the sense of belonging that comes to us. 12 Sets of 12 Traditions, page 105 that's what it is belonging after a session of meditation i knew that the feeling i was experienced was a sense of belonging because i was so relaxed i felt quieter inside more willing to discard little irritations i appreciated my sense of humor what i also experienced in my daily practice is the sheer pleasure of belonging to the creative flow of god's world How. for us that prayer and meditation are written right into our way of life excuse me how propitious propitious how fortunate for us that prayer and meditation are written right into our way of life you know that was an astonishing um, step for me when I first uh, came back and I saw that on the wall I said wow They have it here in AA. All the time, it was here. I didn't see it the first time around. Now, when I came back, I saw the first tradition. You know, our common welfare came first, personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Right there, I knew the con artist, Fernando, the jiver, the manipulator, the not taking responsibility, the dancing, the two steps had not committed completely to uh, getting Fernando better. And I knew better. (laughs) I knew better that I needed to get Fernando better. So by coming into and getting rest and going to work and bringing a dollar and coming to class fully clothed in my right mind only by the grace of God and allowing myself to let these words infiltrate my system... Then I, I learned to to be good to Fernando and the unity, the love. I was banking on that love, on the first tradition, the love, the unity of the of the fellowship that would make me better. I put my faith in that when I came in. When I came back, that is, I, I paid really more attention. The reeling of the mind was gotten hold of me so bad. Working and trying to make life uh put ends together helping helping my mom helping my children and getting rest <clears throat> and so and the greatest thing that's ever happened to help my life to put together today is god and his involvement in directing me to aa thank you god thank you father all right, we're going to move on here. We're going to stop at this next one. This is one of my favorite readings, uh, Self-Acceptance, because I had the hardest one for November 11. We know that God lovingly watches over us. We know that when we turn to Him, all will be well with us here and the hereafter. 12th edition, 12th edition page 105. I pray for the willingness to remember that I am a child of God a divine soul in human form, and that most basic and urgent life task is to accept, know, love, and nurture myself. As I accept myself, I am accepting God's will. As I know and love myself, I am knowing and loving God. As I nurture myself, I am acting on God's guidance. I pray for the willies to let go of my arrogant self-criticism and to praise God by humbly accepting and caring for myself. Fernando Alcoholic, there's so much I can talk about this. I can get into what the hereafter is here. Uh, But the, the divine thing is the acceptance of love, of God's love. I was playing God when I was not accepting His love. When God wanted to do something for me, uh, my my ego, my, my self, self-centeredness, and God just kept pushing His love and His love. So acceptance, everything is about acceptance. Acceptance is to stop the resistance and let God flow through me. And acceptance has... Uh, meanness to it I am mean I don't want that good thing coming in my life I don't want I'm so negatively prone electrical magnetic frequencies they should call them negativity frequencies are in my life and only through the thoughts and the thoughts and the AA meeting and the demonstrations and the power of God that I learned to accept the love that God had for me you know uh and just to relax, it wasn't that easy. Some people just relax and they they grew up with it. If you grew up with it, it's easy to... Uh... Finally, I was able to to uh, accept it, but not after I uh, I went through anger. I went through self-pitying. Why did I have to go through all this suffering? To the baby in me, and then finally I accepted. Okay, God, I will accept your love, even if it kills me. <laughs> I will accept it for the rest of my life and give you thanks for it. And that's when the miracle happens. His love just overwhelmed and overflowed. Pretty mixed up people here, huh? Anyway, God bless you. Thank you for showing up today. May the Lord uh, meet you up on the road in life and help you, establish you, purpose you, try and give you tranquility and guidance, fix you up, fix you up. That'll never be a problem again. You'll move forward with tasks and ability. I pray this in the name of my higher power that you be fixed up today. Amen. Take care, family. meditation, prayer, and self-examination. All right, November the 12th says, Morning Thoughts. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 164. For many years, I pondered over God's will for me, believing that perhaps a great destiny had been ordained for my life. After all, haven't I been born into a specific specific faith? Hadn't I been told early that I was chosen? It finally occurred to me, as I consider the above passage, that God's will for me was simply that I practice step 11 on a daily basis. Furthermore, I realized I should do this to the best of my ability. I sure learned that the practice aids me in keeping my life in the context of the day at hand. Wow, heavy, heavy, heavy heavy-duty stuff. Fernando Alcoholic, let's go ahead and pray. Third step prayer, please. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help with thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 164. For many years, I pondered over God's will for me, believing that perhaps a great destiny had been ordained. It finally occurred to me, as I considered the above passage, that God's will for me was simply that I practice step 12 on a daily basis. Furthermore, I realized I should do this to the best of my ability. To the best of my ability, soon learned that the practice aids me in keeping my life in the content of the day at hand. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, words placed together so eloquently. Keeping my life in the content of the day at hand. Gotta get my rest, gotta pay my bills, gotta brush my teeth, gotta be have a good association, gotta have love at home. High five, uh, praise praise my family members and tell them I love them, pray for them. And, and all, I'm doing all that so I can be available at a, mo- at a meeting, drink the coffee and eat the cookies and smile and say, I'm Fernando, I approve of this message and have everybody laugh because I'm passing out love. I'm there available for others. Wow, what a beautiful reading. All right, let's go ahead and move on to uh, November the 13th. It's called Looking Outward. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 87. As an active alcoholic, I allow selfishness to run rampant in my life. I was so attached to my drinking and other selfish habits that people and moral principles came second. Now, when I pray for the good of others rather than my own selfish ends, I practice a discipline in letting go of selfish attachments. Caring for my fellows and preparing for the day when I will be required to let go of all earthly attachments. Wow. You know, it only takes a practice be able to add a, be able to receive a recovering alcoholic and his sponsee. They want to come over and talk to you and have lunch and, And you finishing one meeting, finishing another meeting, and then they're waiting for you. And you say, yes, by all means. And you have a successful meeting because a long time ago, I wrestled the fact that I surrendered and I'm going to be available for this. So it was easy. My little self-pity, my time of me not being able to get done the things I need to do in my business, but put uh, AA first and it's... uh, Requirements of uh, working with others has put my li- my life in perspective. It's more interesting. It's kind of like, huh? All is well. Everything is going smooth. Good people are coming over. All is well. Okay, enough of that. Let's go to November fourteenth. <laughs> Intuition and inspiration. We ask God for inspiration. We ask God for an intuitive thought or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. That's exactly what I just said, what has happened, right? Alcoholic Anonymous, page 86. We ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought or a decision. Ask God for a decision. God, should I sell this car or not? We need to ask God direct hits, folks. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. Then the answer comes. And we ask God for intuitive thought. Should I go on vacation? Oh. I invest my time in what I truly love. Step 11 is a discipline that allows me and my higher power to be together. Huh? Remind me that with God's help, reminding me that with God's help, intuition and inspiration are possible practice of this of the step brings on self-love in a consistent attempt to improve my conscious contact with a higher power I am suddenly reminded of my unhealthy past with its patterns and grandiose thinking and false feelings of omnipotence when I ask God for the power to carry out God's will for me I am made aware of my powerlessness humility, and a healthy self-love are compatible. A direct result of working step seven. Very quickly, uh, the wife and I were making pancakes uh, for the AA Park meeting. You know, it was at our custom on a Friday. And we, were, we got up late. We, uh, you know, we were running late and so much to do. So I said, well, let's surrender. And we surrendered and prayed. And sure enough, we asked God for the power to carry out God's task for us today for other people. We were aware of our powerlessness and humility and a healthy self-love are compatible. Anyway, uh, his power kicked in, everything was on time, and we had a great, good laughter time in the journey in the process of getting it done and running for around for pots and pans and things like that okay our next reading I, i'm going to go ahead and read it today is the november 15th by the way we're reviewing all of november's gratitude uh entries for our daily reflection book and this is part three november 15th, vital sustenance. Those of us who have come to make regular use of prayer would no more do without it than we would refuse air, food, or sunshine. And for the same reason, when we refuse air, light, or food, the body suffers. And when we turn away from meditation and prayer, we likewise deprive our minds, our emotions, and our intuitions of vital needed support. 12 Sets and 12 Traditions, page 97 step 11 doesn't have to overwhelm me conscious contact with god can be as simple as and as profound as conscious contact with another human being i can smile i can listen i can forgive every encounter with another is an opportunity for prayer for acknowledging god's presence within me Today, I can bring myself a little closer to my higher power. The more I choose to seek the beauty of God's work in other people, the more certain of His presence I will become. Huh. All right, this vital substance called God keeps us alive and well when we we put all three of them together you know, self-examination, uh, meditation and prayer, and out in the sunlight helping someone someone else. All put together, we, we have for a good outcome. Let's go ahead and read. Tomorrow's um, November the 16th, a daily reprieve. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 85. What we really have is a daily maintenance, a daily commitment, uh, a daily habit contingent on the, uh, a good habit contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Maintaining my spiritual condition is like working out every day. Planning for the marathon, swimming, laps, jogging, and staying in good shape spiritually, and that requires prayer and meditation. The single most important way for me to improve my conscious contact with God with a higher power is to pray and meditate. I am as powerless over alcohol as I am to turn back the waves of the sea. No human force has the power to overcome my alcoholism. Now I am able to breathe the air of joy, happiness, and wisdom. I have the power to love and react to events around me with the eyes of faith and things that are not readily apparent. My daily reprieve means that no matter how difficult or painful things appear today, I can draw on the power of the programs to stay liberated from my cunning, baffling, and powerful illnesses. illness. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful readings. Beautiful readings. Just wanted to say that a daily reprieve, the word reprieve, you look it up in different dictionaries. One dictionary says, we're not gonna chop your head off today, so go ahead and relax. Uh, your prayers have been heard. Uh, reprieve is is that I'm still guilty, but it's being held back. I used to illustrate it this way, that there's a giant hammer holding back by these ropes that are almost and the hammer is like a you know, two-ton hammer and ready to hit me over the head because of the wrong and the and the guilt and, uh, you know, the shame of the problem that costs in life, and it's ready to come down the hammer. I used to say, too, if I ever drink, I don't think I'll ever last uh, two to three months out there because the hammer will come down. The only way I'm keeping that, that slammer to come over me is by having a daily reprieve contingent of me and the maintenance of my spiritual condition. I must say uncle on... Okay, Lord, I say uncle in the morning and then I thank you for keeping me sober today. That's my prayer. Thank you very much for coming in today's uh, reading. We'll go ahead and finish up on uh, the next few days to the rest of November, which is an awesome reading for the week. Have a great existence. May God bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, even smile on you, give you his peace, give you his adoration and approval. I pray in the name of my God, Jesus. Take care, family. Love you. 14, King James Version. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we don't know whither thou goest. How can we know that way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye have known me, you would have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him, and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you? And yet hast thou, thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works indeed shall he do, because I go it unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not. Neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, yeah, a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live, you also live, shall live also." On that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be love of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas said unto him, Not Iscariot, as, not as Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come in unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me, not keep not my sayings, and the word which you have heard is not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things I have spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world give, it, give I unto you, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes to pass that when it, it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh and has nothing on me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. John G. Lake, his sermons, his boldness, chapter 8, the Spirit of God, page 75. I want to read to you one of the best incidents in the Word of God. It is the story of Elijah upon Mount Carmel, 1 Kings 18, 17-40. In every land among every people throughout all history, there has been occasions when a demonstration of the power of God was just as necessary to the world as it was in the days of Elijah. It is necessary now. The people had turned away from God. They had forgotten that there was a God in Israel. They were trusting in other gods, just as the people are today. If I were to call you heathen, I suppose most people would be offended. But I want us to say that there are no people with more gods than the average American. Men are bowing down to the God of medicine. Men are bowing down to the God of popularity. Men are bowing down to this God uh, and that God. Men are as afraid of the opinion of their neighbors as any heathen ever was in any time in the world. There is practically no Christianity, let alone an unchristian. Who has the real stamina to stand forth and declare his absolute convictions concerning Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Much less have men the necessary stamina to declare their convictions as to Jesus Christ, the Savior of mankind. That is the reason that the modern church has lost her touch with God and has gone into a sleep unto death, a sleep that can only end in spiritual death and the disintegration of the church as she stands. The only power that will revive the church in this land and the world is that which she will receive when she throws her heart open to God, as the people of Israel did and says, Lord God, we have sinned. The sin she needs to repent of is not the committing a lot of little acts with men called sin, and that are out of growth of what is in the heart, but the thing that mankind needs to repent of is this, that they have denied the power of God and that He is the Almighty Savior. God calls to the Christian churches today is to come forth from their hiding place just as Elijah came forth and met the king. Declare the ground on which you meet the enemies of God and meet them in the name of Jesus Christ. The Christian Church is absolutely solely and entirely to blame for the whole existence of metaphysical associations which are covering the earth like a plague of lice. The Church is to blame, for if the Church of Jesus Christ for the last 50 or 100 years had declared to mankind in the power of the Spirit of the Christ of Nazareth, as He is there, never would have come into existence the whole tribe of metaphysical societies. The world today has been taken by the metaphysical associations to such an extent that they are bowing before the metaphysical laws and calling them God. That is human nature and not God. The time has come when the Christian church has to has God to give a new demonstration to, to the world. And metaphysicians metaphys- through the operation of natural laws, can produce a certain character and degree of healing. Then it is up to the Church of Jesus Christ and the ministers of the Son of God to demonstrate that there is a power in the blood of Jesus Christ to save men and heal men unto all, unto the uttermost, not half heal or whole, half the people heal. But I pray and believe that God's time has come for God's challenge to mankind and the challenge of the christian church to the world is to come on for it is god let the fire fall and if it is god let the fire fall there was no bluffing with the old israel prophets when the people came they laid their sacrifice on the altar excuse me and they did not put artificial fire under it but instead the soul went down before God. He lifted his heart to heaven, and when the fire came down and consumed the sacrifice, that was the evidence that the sacrifice was accepted. The time has come when God wants the fire to fall, and if you, my beloved brother and sisters, will pay God's price and make Christ's consecration of yourself to God, we will see God's fire fall. And it will not be destructive either, except that sin and selfishness and sickness will wither under that fire, while purity and life and holiness and character will stand forth, purified and refined by the glory and the power of God. Fire that comes from heaven. God's fire is creative of righteousness as well as destructive of sin. Some years ago, when I opened my work in South Africa, and the Lord had moved marvelously for about six months, a movement was put on foot to congregate a crowd of Indian yogi. The Indian yogi are a society of people who utterly give themselves up to demonstration of mental, physical things. Brahmin priests, Buddhist priests, Confucian priests, and all kinds of priests and hypnotists. After a time, they said, we would like to have a demonstration. And I said, yes, I would like to have a demonstration also. Come on with your yogi and your buddhas and your confusions and hypnotists. Let them show their God. Let them heal people if they can. Let it be in the public and let it be done on the platform of my tabernacle or any other place large enough to accommodate the public. Then when you have finished, we will call on the Christian God and see what he will do. Well, they came to the tabernacle to make the demonstration. One man, Professor Henderson, a professional hypnotist, was put forward. He said he was there to demonstrate that he could do through hypnotism. He brought with him as his subject a woman from Germiston, who had a locked hip, probably from rheumatism or hip disease. After he had tried and tried privately for months and publicly before the people, then I said, Stand off, calling one of the brethren to pray with me. I said, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command this hip to become unlocked. Instantly she was healed and walked. I want to tell you more of what God did. That was as far as my faith reached. But God met me at that point. As I stood looking at her, I said to myself, that is the way Jesus did it when he was on the earth, and that is the way Jesus does it yet. It was Jesus who did it. Well, as I stood looking at her, suddenly something came upon my soul from heaven. It was the anointing of the Spirit of God. I understood then that the, what the blessed old book talked about when it spoke of the Spirit of the Lord coming upon Elijah and under the Spirit of the Lord coming upon Samson, etc., Samson, under the power of the Spirit, took the gates of Gaza and carried them off. Judges 6.3 He took the jawbone of an ass and killed a thousand men with it. Judges 15.16 These were the things by which God endeavored to teach the world what the Spirit of the Lord is. Well, as I stood there, the Spirit fell upon me, not like the gentle dew of heaven, but in power until my spirit towered up in such strength. I did not know how to control it. In my heart, I cried out, my God, what does it mean? When all at once I discovered the spirit going out in operation to the spirit of that hypnotist, I said, are you the man who has been hypnotized this woman for two years and grafting her hard earned money? In the name of Jesus Christ, you will never hypnotize anyone else. Grasping him by the coat front, I struck him on the shoulder with my hand, saying, In the name of the Son of God, come out of him. And it came out. That hypnotic demon was gone out of him. He never hypnotized again, but earned an honest living. God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. And the desire in my soul is that in this city, God Almighty may raise up an altar unto the living God, not unto a dead God. Mankind needs an altar to the living God, to the God that hears prayers, to the God that answers prayers, and the God that answers by fire. The time has come when God's challenge has gone forth. God is saying, if there is a Christian, let him pray. If there is a God, let him answer. God will meet the soul every time you turn to him and meet his face to face. I'm emphasizing this, the Lord Jesus Christ says to the world, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Mark 11:24. 24. That is what is the matter. Your blank check is not worth 10 cents in your hands. Why? Because you do not believe God. Fill in your check, believe God, and it will come to pass. Again, I'm emphasizing this, let me say this again. The Lord Jesus Christ says to the world, When you pray, believe or imagine that you receive them and you shall have them Mark eleven twenty four. That is what is the matter. Your blank check is not worth ten cents in your hands. Why? Because you do not believe God. Use your imagination, fill in your check, believe God, and it will come to pass. The call of Elijah is the call of the present hour. If the Christ is the Christ, get your answer from him. If Jesus is the Son of God with power on the earth to forgive sins, then as Jesus put it, rise up and walk that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. Mark 2.10 Jesus Christ was reasonable enough to meet man's reasonings and inquiries. And the minister of God who is afraid to walk out and believe his God and trust his God for result is no Christian at all. What does Christianity mean to the world? It is a hope for the glory land way off in the future. Is that Christianity? Is it a hope that you are not going to fry in hell all the days of your life? No. Christianity is a demonstration of the righteousness of God to the world. So, brethren, God has given us something to do. He has given us a demonstration to make. If we do not make it, then we have no more right to the claims that we make of being sons of God than the other people. If God be God, serve him. If thou, then serve him. Christ's dominion. Every student of the primitive church discerns at once a distinction between the soul of the primitive Christian and the soul of the modern Christian. It lies in the spirit of Christ's dominion. The Holy Spirit came into the primitive Christian soul to elevate his consciousness in Christ to make him a master. He smote sin and it disappeared. He cast out devils, demons, a divine flash from his nature overpowered and cast out that demon. He laid his hands on the sick, and the mighty spirit of Jesus Christ <clears throat> flamed into the body, and the disease was unheliated. He was commanded to rebuke the devil, and the devil would flee from him. He was a reigning sovereign, and not shrinking in fear, but overcoming by faith. It is the spirit of dominion when restored to the church of Christ. That will bring again the glory triumph to the church of God throughout the world and lift her into the place where instead of being the obedient servant of the world and the flesh and the devil, she will become the divine instrument of salvation in healing the sick, in the casting out of devils, demons, and in the carrying out of the whole program of Jesus' ministry as the early church did. That was chapter 8 of John G. Lake. Chapter 9, John G. Lake, Spiritual Hunger, page 81. My next, my text, Tonight, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, Matthew 5, 6. Hunger is a mighty good thing. It is the greatest persuader I know of. It is a marvelous mover. Nations have learned that you can do most anything with a populace until they get hungry. But when they get hungry, you want to watch out. There is a certain spirit of desperation that accompanies hunger. I wish we all had it, spirituality. I wish to God we were desperately hungry for God. Wouldn't it be glorious somebody would get filled before this meeting is over? It would be a strange thing if we were all desperately hungry for God. If only one or two got filled in the service. Blessed are they which do hunger. Righteousness is just the righteous, the rightness of God. Again, righteousness is the rightness of God, the rightness of God in your spirit, the rightness of God in your soul, the rightness of God in your body, the rightness of God in your affairs, in your home, in your business, everywhere. God is an all around God. His power operates from every side. The artists paint a hollow around the head of Jesus to show that there is a radiation of glory from his person. They might just as well put it around his feet or any other part of his person. It is the radiant glory of the indwelling God. Radiation out through the personality. There is nothing more wonderful than the indwelling of God in the human life. The supremest marvel that God ever performed was when he took possession of those who are hungry. Blessed are they which do hunger. I will guarantee to you that after the crucifixion of Jesus, there were 120 mighty hungry folks at Jerusalem. I do not believe if they had not been mightily hungry there, they would have gotten so glorious fill. I do not believe if they had not been mightily hungry, they would have gotten so glorious fill. It was because they were hungry that they were filled. We are sometimes inclined to think of God as mechanical, as though God set a day for this event or that to occur. But my opinion is that one of the works of the Holy Ghost is that of preparer. He comes and prepares the heart of man in advance by putting a strange hunger for that event that has been promised by God until it comes to pass. The more I study history and prophecy, the more I am convinced that when Jesus Christ was born into the world, he was born in answer to a tremendous heart cry on the part of the world. The world needed God desperately. They wanted a manifestation of God tremendously, and Jesus Christ is the deliverer, and Savior came in answer to their soul cry. Daniel says that he was convinced by the studying of the books of prophecy, especially that of Jeremiah, that the time had come when they ought to be delivered from their captivity in Babylon. The 70 years was fulfilled, but there was no deliverance, so he diligently set his face to pray it into being. Daniel 9. Here is what I want you to get. If it was going to come to pass mechanically on a certain date, there would not have been any necessity for Daniel to get that awful hunger in his soul, so that he fasted and prayed in sackcloth and ashes that the deliverance might come. No, sir, God's purpose came to pass when your heart and mind get the real God cry and the real God prayer comes into our spirit. and The real God yearning gets hold of our nature. Something is going to happen then. No difference what it may be your soul is coveting or desiring if it becomes in your life the supreme cry, not the secondary matter or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth, or tenth. But the first thing, the supreme desire of your soul, the paramount issue, all the powers and energies of your spirit, of your soul, of your body, are reaching out and crying to God for the answer. It is going to come. It is going to come. It is going to come. I live in a family where for 32 years, they never were without an invalid in the home. Before I was 24 years of age, we had buried four brothers and four sisters and four other members of the family were dying, hopeless, helpless, invalids. I set up my own mind, married a beautiful woman. Our first son was born. It was only a short time until I saw that the same devilish train of sickness that had followed my father's family had come into mine. My wife became an invalid. My son was a sickly child. Out of it all, one thing developed in in my nature, a cry for deliverance. I did not know any more about the subject of healing than an Indian. Notwithstanding, I was a Methodist evangelist, but my heart was crying for deliverance. My soul had come to a place where I had vomited up dependence on man. My father had spent a fortune on the family to no avail, as if there was no stoppage of the train of hell. And let me tell you, there is no human stoppage because the thing is settled deep in the nature of man, too deep for any material remedy to get at it. It takes the Almighty God and the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ to get down into the depth of man's nature and find the real difficulty that is there and destroy it. My brother... And sister, I want to tell you, if you are a sinner tonight and away from God and your heart is longing and your spirit is asking and your soul is crying for God's deliverance, he will be on hand to deliver. You will not have to cry out very long until you see that the mountains are being moved and the angel of deliverance will be there. I finally got to that place where my supreme cry was, for deliverance. Tears were shed for deliverance for three years before the healing of God came to us. I could hear the groans and cries and sobs and feel the wretchedness of our family soul. My heart cried, my soul sobbed, my spirits wept tears. I wanted help. I did not know enough to call directly on God for it. Isn't it a strange thing that men do not have sense enough to have faith in God for all their needs, do not know enough to call directly on God for physical difficulties as well as for spiritual ones. But I did not. But bless God, one thing matured in my heart, a real hunger, and the hunger of man's soul must be satisfied. It must be satisfied. It is a law of God. The law of God is in the depth of the Spirit. God will answer the heart that cries. God will answer the soul that asks. Christ Jesus came to us with divine assurance and invites us when we are hungry to pray, to believe, to take from the Lord that which our souls covet and our hearts ask for. So one day the Lord of heaven came our way, and in a little while the clouds of darkness, that midnight of hell, that curse of death was filled and the light of God shone into our life and into our home just the same as it existed in other men's lives and other men's homes. We learned the truth of Jesus and were able to apply the divine power of God. We were heal of the Lord. Blessed are they which do hunger Brethren, begin to pray to get hungry. At this point, I want to tell you a story. I was out on a snow trip with us at Salt St. Mary, Michigan, where they used to have four and five feet of snow. I tramped for 30 miles on my snowshoes. I was tired and weary. I arrived home and found my wife had gone away to visit. So I went over to my sister's home. I found they were out also. I went into the house and began to look for something to eat. I was nearly starved. I found a great big sort of a cake that looked like cornbread. It was still quite warm and it smelled good. I ate it all. I thought it was awful funny stuff and it seemed to have lumps in it. I did not just understand the combination and I, I was not much of a cook. About the time I had finished, my sister and husband came in and she said, My, you must be awful tired and hungry. I said, I was, but I just found a corn cake and ate the whole thing. She said, my goodness, John, you did not eat that. I said, what was it, Irene? Why, that was a kind of a cow bread where you grind up calves and all. You see, it depends on the character and degree of your hunger. Things taste mighty good to a hungry man if you want to confer a peculiar blessing on men at large it would not be to give them pie but to make them hungry and then everything that comes their way would taste everlasting good i love to tell the story because of this story of a hungry man a short time after i went to south africa and god had begun to work very marvelously in the city of johannesburg A butcher who lived in the suburbs was advised by his physicians that he had developed such a tubercular state he might not live more than nine months. He wanted to make provisions that his family would be cared after he was gone. So he bought a farm and undertook to develop it that when he died his family would have a means of existence. One day he received a letter from his friends at Johannesburg telling of the coming of what they spoke of the American brethren and of the wonderful things that were taking place, of how so-and-so, a terrible drunkard, had been converted, of his niece who had been invalid in a wheelchair for five years, had been healed of God, how one of his other relatives had been baptized in, in the Holy Ghost and was speaking in tongues. Other friends and neighbors had been baptized heal of the power of the powerful change that had come into the community, and all the marbles a vigorous work for God produce. Work for God produces us. And all the marbles a vigorous work for God produces. Dan von Wuren took the letter, crawled into the African torn tree, He spread the ladder out before God and began to discuss it with the Lord. He said, God in heaven, if you could come to Mr. So-and-so, a drunkard, and deliver him from his sin and save his soul and put the joy of God in him, if you could come to this niece of mine, save her soul and heal her body and send her out to be a blessing instead of weighing and burdening upon her friends, if you could come to so-and-so and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, Lord, if you can do these things at Johannesburg, you can do something for me too. And he knelt down, put his face to the ground, and cried to God that God would do something for him. And don't forget it, friends. I have a conviction that that morning, Dan van Vuuren was so stirred by the reading of the letter that his desire to be made whole got bigger than anything else in his consciousness. His heart reached for God and blessed God. That morning, his prayer went through the heaven and God came down into his life. In 10 minutes, he took all the breath he wanted. The pain was gone. The derperlocus had disappeared. He was a whole man. But that was not all. He not only received a great physical healing, but God had literally come in and taken possession of the man's life until he did not understand himself anymore. In telling me, he said, Brother, a new prayer from heaven was born in my spirit. I had prayed for my wife's salvation for 18 years, but I could never pray through. But that morning I prayed through. It was all done. When I got to the house, she stood and looked at me for two minutes until it dawned in her her soul that I was glorious, healed of God. She never asked a question as to how it took place, but fell on her knees, threw her hands up to the heaven and said, Pray for me, Dan, for God's sake, pray for me. I must find God today. And God came to that soul. He had 11 children, splendid young folks. The mother and he went to praying, and inside of a week the whole house of 13 had been baptized in the Holy Ghost. He went to his brother's farm, told the wonders of what God had done, prayed through, and in a little while, 19 families were baptized in the Holy Ghost. So God filled his life with his glory. That one morning, God said to him, Go to Pretoria. I am going to send you to the different members of parliament. He was admitted into the presence of Premier Louis Botha. Botha told me about it afterwards. He said, Lake, I had known Von Voren from the time he was a boy. I had known him as a reckless, rollicking fellow. But the man came into my office and stood 10 feet from the desk. I looked up, and before he commenced to speak, I began to shake and rattle on my chair. I knelt down. I had to put my head under the desk and cry to God. Why, he looked like God. He talked like God. He had the majesty of God. He was superhumanly wonderful. Then he went to the office of the Secretary of State, then to the Secretary of the Treasury. Almost the same thing took place in every instance. For 18 days, God kept him from going from this one to that one. For 18 days, God kept him going. He saw lawyers, judges, and officials in the land until every high official in the land knew there was a God and a Christ and a Savior and a baptism in the Holy Ghost because then Von Vuren had really hungered for after God. Blessed are they who do which hunger for if blessed are they which do hunger. I was sitting here tonight before the meeting began, reading an old sermon I preached to a men's club at Spokane, Washington, eight years ago, entitled, The Calling of the Soul, chapter 13, here in this chapter. In it, I observed and recounted the story of the original people who came to the Parham School in 1909, and whom, in answer to the cry of their soul, God came and baptized them in the Holy Ghost all the apostolic faith churches, missions, Assemblies of God, and other movements as a result. I knew Brother Parham's wife and his sister-in-law, Lillian, and Twistled wait, She was the woman that brought the light of God for a real sanctification to my heart. It was not her preaching or her words. I sat in Fred Bosworth's home one night before Fred thought of preaching the gospel I listened to the woman telling of the Lord God in His love and sanctifying grace and power and what real holiness was. It was not her arguments or logic. It was herself. It was the divine holiness that came from her soul. It was the living spirit of God that came out of the woman's life. I sat way back in the room as far away as I could get. I was self-satisfied, doing well in the world, prosperous with all the accompaniments that go with a successful life. But that night, my heart got so hungry that I fell on my knees, and those who were present will tell you, yet that they had never heard anybody prayed as I prayed. Bosworth said long afterwards, Lake, there is one instance that I shall always remember in your life. That was the night you prayed in my home until the rafters shook until God came down, until the fire struck, until our souls melted, until God came in and sanctified our hearts. All the devils in hell and out of hell could not come, could not make me believe that there is not a real sanctified experience in Jesus Christ. When God comes in and makes your heart pure and takes self out of your nature and gives you divine triumph over sin and self Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed are they which do hunger. Beloved, pray to get hungry. Coming back to Dan von Vuren for several years before I left Africa, he went up and down the land like a burning fire. Everywhere he went, sinners were saved, sick were healed, men and women were baptized in the Holy Ghost until he set the outlying districts on fire with the power of God and he is going still here's the point I want to bring to you as I talk with Lillian Twistlewaite, I observed the one supreme thing in that woman's soul was the consciousness of holiness she said brother that is what we prayed for that is what the baptism brought to us Later, Brother Parham was preaching in Texas. A colored man came into his meeting by the name of Seymour in a hotel in Chicago. He related his experience to Brother Tom and myself. I want you to see the hunger in the colored man's soul, he said. He was a waiter in a restaurant and preaching to a church of colored people. He knew God as Savior, as a sanctifier. He knew the power of God to heal, but as he listened to Parham, he became convinced of a bigger thing. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, he went on to Los Angeles without receiving it. But he said he was determined to preach all of God he knew to the people. He said, Brother, before I met Parham, such a hunger to have more of God was in my heart that I prayed for five hours, a day for two and a half years. I got to Los Angeles, and when I got there, the hunger was not less But more. I prayed, God, what can I do? And the Spirit said, Pray more, but but Lord, I am praying five hours a day now. I increased my hours of prayer to seven and pray on for a year and a half more. I pray God to give me what Parham preached, the real Holy Ghost and fire with tongues and love and power of God, like the apostle had. There are better things to be had in spiritual life, but they must be sought out with faith and prayer. I want to tell you God Almighty had put such a hunger into the Negro's heart that when the fire of God came, it glorified Him. I do not believe that any other man in modern times had come had a more wonderful deluge of God in his life than God gave to that dear fellow. Brother Seymour preached to my congregation to 10,000 people when the glory and power, when the power of God was upon his spirit. When men shook and trembled and cried to God, God was in him. Blessed are they which do hunger, for they shall be filled. I wonder what, what we are hungering for have we, have we a real divine hunger? Sometimes our soul is asking for it. If you have, God will answer. God will answer by every law of the spirit that men know. The answer is due to come. It will come. Blessed God, it will come. It will come. Blessed be God. It will come. It will come in more ways than you ever dreamed of. God is not confined to manifesting Himself in tongues and interpretation alone. His life is man's. Is rounded. His His life in man is rounded. When i was a lad i accompanied my father on a visit to the off- office of john a mccall the great insurance man we were taken to mccall's office in his private elevator it was the first time i ever been in a great office building and written on the elevator and i remember holding my breath until the thing stopped then when we stepped into his office the most beautiful office i have ever beheld the rugs were so thick i was afraid i would go through the floor when i stepped on them His death was a marble, pure mahogany, and on the top of his death inlaid in Mother of Pearl was his name, written in script. It was so magnificent that in my boyish soul I said, I'm going to have an office just like this and a desk like that with my name on it when I am a man. I did not know how much of an asking it was in my nature, and it seemed sometimes that It had drifted away until I was in my 30th year. I was invited to come to Chicago to join an association of men who were establishing a life insurance association. They said, Link, we want you to manage the association. We dickered about the matter for three weeks until they came to my terms. And finally, the president said, step into this office until we show you something. We have a surprise for you. And I stepped into an office, just exactly the duplicate of John A. McCall's office. And there in the center was a desk of pure mahogany. Instead of the name of John A. McCall, it was John G. Lake in Mother of Pearl. I had never spoken of that soul desire to a person in the world. Friends, there is something in the call of the soul that is creative; It brings things to pass. Don't you know that when the supreme desire of your heart goes out to God, that all of the spiritual energy of your nature and the power of God that comes to you begin to concentrate and work alone that certain line and form and there come by the unconsciousness creative exercise of faith into so being that which you call, your soul calls for. That is the creative action of faith. You and God together working on and evidencing the power of creative desire. Okay, let me read that again. Friends, there is something in the call of the soul that is creative. It brings things to pass. Don't you know that when the supreme desire of your heart goes out to God, that all the spiritual energy of your nature and the power of God that comes to you begin to concentrate and work along the certain lines and form, and there it comes by the unconscious creative exercise of faith into being that which your soul calls for. That is the creative action of faith. You and God together working out the evidence, the power of creative desire. Evidencing. You shall receive the desire of your heart if you come before me in prayer and supplications, for I am God that answers my children. Go, you forward, in the battle for which I shall be with you and fulfill the desires of your heart. Yea, pray that you may become hungry. Call, and I shall answer you, for I am a God that hears. I shall answer your call. Come before me. Humble yourself before my feet, and I shall answer your call. Be you diligent before me and pray. Yeah, be you in prayer and supplication, for you are living in the last days, and my spirit shall not always strive with men. But you that humble yourself before me will know I shall be your God. I shall strengthen you on the right hand and on the left. You shall understand and know that I am your living God. Tongues Interpretation by Mrs. James Wilson, Brother Myrene. When Moses stood at the Red Sea, he tried to back out of that relationship God had established and tried to throw the responsibility back on God. He was overwhelmed. It was too marvelous. Surely God must not have meant it. But God knew when he began to recognize himself as an individual and God as another, it was offensive to God. He thought he could back up and pray f- for God to do something for him, the same as God used to do in the old relationship. He could not do it. When he got down to pray in the mind of God, the idea of Moses not backing water and getting out of that close place, the that inner relationship, and divine sympathy of Moses, so in God, it was offensive to him. And God said, Wherefore cries thou unto me? Exodus 14, 15. In other words, shut up your praying, get up out of there. Shut up your praying and get up out of there. It was made to go. Finish the reading of chapter 9.